Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa udhang dhammang sanghang namasami <coughs> So, d- practicing Dhamma, direct experience, and just making this uh, this transition from the uh, world of time and place, which we can always imagine, conceive of. We don't even realize we're imagining it because it's so normal. We consider days, numbers, hours, with labels on them. We consider, you know, where we are with a label on it, with a name on it. We move around in this world of time, place, which is just the really, this is the world of designations of conceiving and yet certainly we we're here we feel things we experience things directly but we don't experience things according to minutes or days or um, one street or one house we experience things in accordance with what's directly arising in our hearts this is the process of um, Kamma, you know, the mind is producing what it's experiencing, what's coming, what's coming in, and what's coming out directly. This is felt, agreeable, disagreeable, fast, slow. Reminds you of this. Reminds me of that seems agreeable or seems interesting or doesn't seem interesting I know what to do, I don't know what to do uh, it comes in as seen or heard or thought about or touched or tasted smelt considered what are these I've been talking about, these are called the five Aggregates are the five kanda, quality of feeling, whether it's agreeable or disagreeable. Doesn't mean it's miserable, just means I'd rather like this to change into something else. If I'm patient, it'll change into something else. That's called disagreeable feeling. Mm. Agreeable feeling is, oh, this is, yeah, this is nice. I think I could sit with this for a while. That's called agreeable feeling. And not necessarily that violent that they are everything that's directly sensed has got a feeling tone to it but we don't necessarily notice that because so much of the feeling is not particularly significant and our attention our attention doesn't stay with it our attention doesn't stay or doesn't even go to the feeling it goes to the idea of time, place, myself, other people, what I'm not, how it could be, where's this, where's that, do I like the war, is it this way, that way, what about tomorrow? So we don't, attention, the attention of the mind, the attention of the mind doesn't stay with the feeling, unless feeling gets strong, then we stay with it. Oh no, oh no, oh wonderful, you know. So it's the intensities that, that attract attention. The things that seem most obvious, most strikers. This striking is called contact. So though right now we can, if we wish to, we could listen to silence. We could feel the cushion beneath us sitting that we're you could notice, you know, 
the sensation in our back between the shoulder blades on the wrists if we chose to we could go there but we don't because they're not particularly nothing particularly much is striking me about sensation on the inside of my wrist it's okay you know I wouldn't really jump up and down with glee about it but it's alright it's not bothering me the attention goes to that distinct twinge in my hip <laughs> that unpleasant feeling in my hip yeah. or it goes to that rather agreeable um, you know, quality of warmth or something like that raw physical feeling but actually when you uh, really review direct experience you see most of your feeling comes from your mind how's that? it means oh I like the look of that Buddha, that's beautiful really lovely that's lovely I'm pleased, feel quite happy to see that agreeable feeling so the eye doesn't doesn't have the feeling it's the mind sees something with a soft shape a glowing color an impression of dignity clarity stability there's a little bit of a mental uplift yeah and this process of interpretation of shapes colors textures sounds and so forth the interpretation of them is called sanya perception interpretation the way things strike us strike the mind yeah. and this striking of the mind can give us considerable degree of pleasant or unpleasant feeling if you walk uh, you know, through a shopping arcade you'll see plenty of uh, sites who designed to create perceptions of uh, efficiency uh, beauty fragrance mystery uh, you know glamour, uh, ease, comfort, happiness, oh, pleasant feeling. Yeah. Come to the airport, you have to walk through this kind of gauntlet, it's like an arcade called the Host of Mara. And it's absolutely in this, you're surrounded by think none of the stuff you actually need at all. There's bottles of Johnny Walker, there's vodka, which, which actually damages your health. It looks great. The bottles are absolutely really beautiful. Yeah. Then you've got, you can soak yourself in perfume. And there's various trinkets you can buy. Absolutely nothing there that you need to survive or will give you good health or anything. Nothing. And you have to go through this thing. And everything looks has this sign. Beautiful, comfortable, interesting, glamorous relaxing wow and so pleasant feeling arises so there comes your credit card boom boom get home how did I get all this stuff <laughs> how did I get all this you know that's how you got it because of sanya <clears throat> yeah or you drive back and you see this kind of street with litter in it oh, no, no, look at that horrible messy thing unpleasant feeling this is sanya so this gives us a very strong uh, um, guidelines for the mind is sanya what we see things what we hear things as where things disgust us uh, delight us attract us repel us and it's an extremely sensitive system mm. we can even get pleasure out of things like uh, you know that was went very well that was very swift smooth operation oh, we really did some what good thing with progress really well then nice swift efficient operation we feel we're progressive, we're getting places, we can get things done, we feel good. And then sometimes things break down, it doesn't work, the 
he's not operating, she didn't turn up on time, he's late, he doesn't understand what he's doing. Why they oh Sanya unpleasant feeling, frustrating, annoying. Not the way it should be. It should be really easy and bright and positive. Unpleasant feeling. It shouldn't be like this. <laughs> Sanya. And so because of this sanya, this perception, we get this uh, other qualities arise called sankara, and uh, contact is the beginning of it. Something taps your mind and you feel disappointed. You feel disappointed, annoyed, frustrated. And that Unpleasant. So a little bit of something, irritation arises. So you get a, a quality of emotion. And then, likely, is something what wants to do something about that. Change it, make it better, uh, or we get annoyed if it's, it's, if it's unpleasant. We want to blame somebody, or blame ourselves, or blame life, or, you know, Something we get irritated with that. And then this is the beginning <laughs> of the whole process of um, sangsara and uh, just over sanya, sankara, arising, driving on through these sense organs, through sense impact, with sound, the odor what the mind makes of sight, what the mind makes of things such as um, routines, you know, I don't like these routines, uh, you know, or room, don't like the space, uh, don't like the, don't like the, don't like the clothes she's wearing, <laughs> why not, why not dislike something else? <laughs> so we get into these kind of, uh, habits where this uh, irritation can crop up. Why is this? It's the mind. The mind is not centered in itself. And a person who is uh, undeveloped follows those sankharas, those impulses, uh, emotionally and then even in terms of words, actions, deeds. So by and large what occurs is that people in their lives are looking to keep trying to steer things towards the least unpleasant feeling as possible. Yeah. At least avoid the unpleasant avoid that person I don't like. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Go to that person who's you know, I enjoy I enjoy her company. I make things go let me get in control of things so I can order and arrange things to the way I like them. Yeah right time, the right place, get things tidied up the way I like it. <coughs> so this, uh, then I feel comfortable and contented because it gives me the feeling I'm in control of all this. I can make it the way I want it to. And it gives me a sense of confidence. I can do things. I can make things go the way I want them to. That's really pleasant for a while. But of course things don't go the way I want them to for very long, before something changes, breaks down, goes another way, people don't do what I want them to do, and then eventually I don't do what I want me to do, because I'm not feeling peaceful and happy. My mind is agitated, stressed out, trying to control everything else. Uh, so then I'm an unpleasant feeling. And uh, then the, all these energies that we've, ex we've created, and these Sankaras and sanya, perceptions we've created, have got, don't feel good. The quality of them is stressful, uh, uh, irritated, and um, uncomfortable. You know, mind is so busy trying to make everything the way I want it to be. This is quite the uh, way of, of uh, people's lives, of course, you know. You know. People like to have 
Be nice little boxes with labels on it, and this is this, and this is that. Spend a lot of time, you know, tidying everything up, which is good in a way, but often he's suffering quite a bit because of it. Because life isn't that tidy, things aren't that exactly right. And then all the stress we're putting into, like trying to make the sea, I call it ironing out the waves of the sea. So the sea's coming in, you get an iron to make it nice and smooth. <laughs> it splashes. Why isn't it getting smooth? Because the iron is splashing, making the water splash, you know. And you're getting more agitated. When you step back, if you step back far enough, sea looks pretty smooth if you step back far enough. <laughs> the horizon's nice and straight, perfectly straight, and you don't really see all the ripples. So you step back, everything's fine. Yeah. So it's very much a matter of how your attention is, what you attend to, and what signs you pick up, what sanyas you pick up, what impressions you pick up. This is the world of direct experience. It's like this. This is what our mind is doing, and then the results of that. The vipaka, the old karma, or the results of our mental activities, are we feel like this. We feel disappointed, or busy, or we've got all kinds of things we need to figure out and plan and work on to make things a bit smoother for the future. Or we've got kind of things that we need to try and dismiss and get out of our mind about what happened in the past and get over it and forget about it. Or you know, And then we've got people living in our hearts who we quarrel with and why is she like this and I should have said that and I'm never going to let him do that again. So we've got all these people living inside us who we talk to, talk to us and in this course there's somebody else living in the heart my heart who gives us a lot of trouble it's called myself <laughs> and myself didn't get it right uh, myself didn't get it right myself wasn't able to make everything agreeable comfortable, pleasant the way it should be. Wasn't make, able to make things smooth the way it should have done. Mm. And because of that it got disappointed or unhappy or confused. And I, that wasn't good. So I'm dis displeased with that. I lost my temper. I got impatient. Oh dear. That's not pleasant. That's disagreeable. Yeah. So this self living in there is any any of those selves living there happy and peaceful? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, who's that? This is called the vipaka. It's not actually a person at all. It's the results. It's the results of actions. Not just physical actions or even speech, but the results of mental actions mental actions, you begin to discover this nature of sankhara, what the mind acts upon, it always gives rise to some kind of result. Result is um, like a pattern is established. You could call a sankhara something like a, like a, yeah, um, an energy that creates a path, creates a path in the mind or a track. And so it leave, leaves a mark. Just as we might say, you know, when you see the rain falling on the water, every one of those raindrops leaves a little ripple. The ripple dissolves. Leaves a ripple, the ripple dissolves. It leaves a ripple, the ripple dissolves. Because what it lands on 
is a puddle, not a self. When it lands, those ripples land on a human heart, the human heart says, oh, that's me. That's me. Oh, that feels like me. That's, that's, that's happening to me. That feeling happens to me. That's happening to me. That's contact. It happens to me. It's happening to me. It happens to me. And there's an agitation. And then, I don't want it to happen to me. There's a kind of a, a building up of a self. And so something stores all these impressions, resonances. And this is called upadana, clinging. Quality that collects and stores things into a, an entity called myself. This is the way it is. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You could say it's the way it has to be. Because we want to start the day knowing what we're doing, remembering the mistakes we made so we can do better, remembering where the good things are so we can go for them, remember what's good and bad so we can act in an appropriate way. It's good to have some way of, you know, noticing experience and being guided by it. That's absolutely true. But you don't need a self, you just need a heart. You just need a chitta. So in the teaching that you hear, anatta, non-self, should always be heard with the understanding, no self, indeed, but there is citta. Citta receives the results of actions. Citta generates actions. They arise from the heart and they return to the heart. But the image of a person, that's, that's just a, a ghost. So yes, we can, we can witness, hmm, that's the result of an action. Hmm, doesn't feel good. Right, don't do that again. And we can witness, that's the result of that action. That feels bright. Leaves no unpleasant resonance. I'll do more of that. So, yeah, there's uh, a results of good and bad deeds, but there's no person. It's just chitta experiences that. So, what this does is it means instead of feeling uh, constantly like failing or guilty or regretful, we acknowledge effects are like this. And it means there's a chance to change it. But if we think, this is myself, this is who I am, then we tend to get stuck in it. <laughs> yeah. We tend to think, oh, I'm of this, I can't do that, I never did this. and So we then get an emotion which makes us lose faith lose interest, and we go in again to the conceiving, constructing world, the world of conceiving, and it conceives myself. Having conceived of myself, I wonder, why am I like this? What may be like this? What will I become in the future? What should I become in the future? Will I be something in the future or nothing in the future? How can I be something else in the future? And going on like this, the mind continually spins around chasing its own images and impressions and it just gets agitated and there's no arising of faith, sadha, confidence, no arising of clarity, of seeing, of clear seeing. Instead, uh, we just get lost in these ideas and impressions. This is the, so we transfer, it's wherever you get this sense of I am, I'm not, I should, I shouldn't. What actually is it being experienced? Stirring in the heart, agitation in the heart, 
Does it feel sad, disappointed? Does it feel happy, buoyant, uh, rejoicing? That's fine. That's what's happening. And if, it, if it's got an experience that feels brightening, gladdening, steadying, know it as that. Know it as that. And stay with it. Linger in it. You can witness the results of skillful deeds, skillful intentions. And if you witness them and linger in them directly, they never leave you. If your attention doesn't rush on to the next thing, they never let those qualities stay there. They become more fully established and integrated into your heart. So this is just the process of training. And this process means we have instead of just attention that seizes and the what what the contact that comes in through any sense door, and particularly the ones that are most striking and vivid and poignant and disturbing or irritating or passionate, that's just unskillful attention. It's got no no we're not there's no authority in it. It's just caught up with whatever comes in. Instead of that we have careful attention or deep attention or wise attention. It says, turn your attend, turn your mind to this feature. Linger in this, stay in this. This is where there's a sense of relief, gladness, uh, kindness, mm, strength. Stay in this. Linger in this for a long time. And event, this will become your new pathway. Instead of the pathway that's scattering out through the sense world, this pathway will be staying in your heart as a, as a something that you can you can stay with and if, you know and clearly you lose it and you return to it and this we call bhavana making develop bhavana means to make something develop we're developing a path through direct experience directing a path for the heart the chitta because the path of the person, where does that go? A job, bills, age, grandchildren, time, place, aging, death. That's the path of the person. <laughs> Is there something better than that? <laughs> Well, careful attention leads the path of, of the goes out to uh, the deathless. So, with this quality of first of all, uh, like heedfulness, carefulness, apamada, we don't just let the mind swing around. We carefully attend. Yoni somnisikara. You place your attention. And how is this affecting me? This sight, this sound, this thought, this attitude. Uh, and if it's affecting me in a way that's annoying, irritating, disturbing, do I need to, is it possible to just get out of it, let go of it, turn to something brighter? And again, this is where it's so helpful because if you get some state which you feel disappointed by, you know, you're feeling annoyed with people, you don't like to feel annoyed with the people, but they are annoying me, and I've told them this, that, and the other, and they're still annoying me, and then you think, oh dear, I'm so irritable. Oh, an irritable person. Why am I always so irritable? You know, I shouldn't let people annoy me, I'm an irritable person. Maybe there's something, you know, I should have wrong with me, and so... That's not just a mean, irritable person. Mean, grumpy, irritable person, that's what I am. Yeah. A mean, grumpy, irritable person has got no loving kindness whatsoever for other people. That's who I am. <laughs> we make it 
permanent, <laughs> established myself. Uh, then it then it continues because we built a path for it to continue. We've built a path for that mood to con- to run down. This path we call myself, <laughs> the person path. The, the, that negative impression stays in it and it runs down that and it makes that path deeper, wider and smoother so here I am again, miserable, you know irritating, annoying me it seems so solid something wrong with me because I'm such an irritable, mean person well, let's face it, I'm not going to get anywhere really in Dhamma practice so maybe I'll just uh, you know, watch television instead Something like that, because miserable, irritated, grumpy person like me, and we don't want to be with it, so we move away from it, try and distract ourselves from these difficult impressions. No, no. About ourself. But what correctly would say, oh, there's this, this, this tendency to get irritated, true. Yeah, and. I think everybody has that. It's not unusual. <laughs> this tendency to get irritated, sensitive tendency to get irritated. This is the result of it. Hmm. hmm. It's like that. Hmm. Now, rather than stay with that, I turn my attention somewhere else to the suffering of beings. People are irritating, but they also suffer a lot. Oh, that's true. Yeah. She doesn't want what I want, doesn't do what I wanted to do, but when I realise she's got problems, struggles, difficulty, I think, oh, yeah, I understand, yeah. It's like that, isn't it? And why should I put so much demanding on people? Yeah, that's better. Yeah. We get a little more generous. You can see the same thing in a different light. You see the suffering of people. You see that people are like this, you know. And you also begin to see this, your own suffering from a different perspective. Oh, Jitta, you really suffer a lot. You struggle a lot. Oh, why don't you take a break? <laughs> why don't you remember something that made you feel happy and glad? Why don't you just turn your attention towards a generous action that you did, or in fact do one right now. Do an act of generosity of kindness right now. So you bring this in. And uh, in in these basic practices, we are recognizing the potential of these sanya-sankara impressions and contact impressions to build up the sense of a self that will become a burden for us or a mystery for us or just a delusion for us that we go chasing and trying to make long and lasting and turn your attention to skillful states This careful attention is a very foundational uh, quality because it's something we can do. Sometimes the mind does get obsessed and you just pick it up and pull it somewhere else. Or you you relate to it. You say, oh, mind, you're so obsessive. Just relax a little. So you develop a kind of sympathy towards the desperate mind or the obsessive mind demanding mind, the quarrelling mind, the gloomy mind, just as uh, one would co-protect and cultivate and care for and clean one's own heart, because this is a source of potential joy and beauty, and this is the, this is which, this path of the heart will go to the end of suffering, towards liberation, towards virtue and towards good fortune if it's cultivated correctly we should never miss the opportunity 
to do so. Now, of course, still it's a little more involved than that because many of the uh, perceptions that arise, we don't seek them, they just happen. We do find things. We find ourselves shocked or dismayed or seized with passion, fascinated by something, and the mind locks into it. These are called powerful karma, deep karma. Yeah? Uh, it doesn't let go easily. And we get obsessive habits. Got to be busy, got to be busy, got to got planning, got to figure things out. Busy, planning, working things out. Quarreling, 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 just get locked. The mind gets locked into it like a terrier holding a rat. Uh, and even you look at it and think, come on, stop it. It won't do it. <laughs> it's obsessiveness, stuckness of mind. And so for this, when it becomes like that, you have a process called mindfulness. Mindfulness related to body. So this is the obsessive mind. So, okay, there it is. I wish it wasn't there, but it is there. I don't know, you know, I wish I was another way, but I'm not. So then a mindful one accepts that. I don't like it, but there it is. I've got to be honest about it. Acceptance is kind of honest quality. And it's accepting it as a quality. Not as a person, but as a quality. This is the quality of obsessiveness, agitation, irritability. That I keep good, it keeps getting hold, stuck. Yeah. So then you, you accept the presence of that and you're very patient. And non not adding of not adding any more aversion or justification or blaming or analysis to it. You take it there and then when that's there, what happens in my body? What? No. When that's there, what happens in your body? Body? What body? Your body. What body? Oh, that. <laughs> because when the mind is really obsessed, your body disappears. Not, oh, that um, body. Oh, yeah. I just feel. And you refer back to that, and you feel there's, say, pressure in your head. There's heat rising, or you feel tight around your throat, or you feel slightly numb even, just numb and disturbed, numb and agitated. Uh, You don't want to be with that unpleasant feeling. So then, of course, the careful one says, yeah, you don't want to be with it, but just change your attention again. Keep there, but keep widening your attention, just like you did with the sea. You step back and you saw things from a different perspective, and instead of seeing all these different qualities and currents, you saw the whole thing. Oh, it's quite beautiful. It's just this. So the kind of obsessions and difficulties that arise if we just got stuck onto one detail. Uh, can be weakened. So we come to the sense of the entire body sitting or standing. Uh, dislodges your attention from the mental obsession. If you really stay with it, the whole body, right down to the feet, the impression of your body. Maybe you take a long out-breath. You stay with that. The obsession begins to soften because the energy behind it has to come from your body. The energy behind your mind has to come you don't from your body. You don't have two batteries. You only have one battery. And it's called your 
body battery, your vitality. So if you get hold of that, and direct it and smooth it, and ease it, then this stuck mental state begins to soften. Of course, it can still feel unpleasant. But then your attitude is one of sympathy. It doesn't feel good. Instead of something wrong with me, I shouldn't feel this way, you just sense this is suffering. This is suffering. This is a sentient being suffering. This is a chitta suffering. This is stress. And a sense of sympathy arises. Empathy. Oh, well, that's bad. Oh dear. Mm. Oh. And then metta or karuna come up. Kindness or compassion arise. And things start to shift. So mindfulness of body and referring these mental patterns to the to our bodily experience. This again is a kind of it's very simple to say in words, but of course it's not quite as easy as that either at first, because a lot of the time you can't feel your body very much. I've known quite a few people who barely feel their body. It's just all emotions and thoughts. The body is numbed out by the amount of stress and pressure they're in. And also, because we don't want to feel unpleasant feeling, there's, a, there's something occurs, a mechanism occurs that shuts it down, we suppress it. The mind shuts it down. We don't go there. And the body kind of locks up a little bit, tenses up to not feel unpleasant feeling. This is just a feature that bodies can do. Notice if you have a, a, a crash or an accident. At the moment you have the accident and the crash, you just feel this blur. Everything's blurring. And then, whomp, you feel something, this is, heart is racing. Heart is racing. And then you, where am I then? Oi, I've got this pain in my shoulder. But you didn't feel it at first. That comes later. The first thing it does is it, body just closes down feeling because it's in, a, in, in danger. I was walking on a meditation, a raised meditation path when I was in New Zealand. This was a wooden path, a raised meditation path you can walk along. And at the end of it, it kind of turns, it turned towards the kuti. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was walking along, I had a little flask in my hand. I was going, walking along back to the kuti, walking along, be mindful. Once you know, you get this idea, I am being mindful, this is always dangerous. Because <laughs> it probably means you think, you're thinking about being mindful. <laughs> so I was thinking, oh, I'm being mindful, get back to the kuti and mindfully walking. And then the, the sun rose, rising just behind the kuti, it shone straight in my eyes, just at the point where the, the path turned. So I didn't see the turn of the path, I went straight over the edge, and, and it was on the side of a hill. So I just wear this kind of, uh-oh, there go the feet, no ground, and there's this kind of confusion of tumbling and crashing, and, and then stop tumbled and crashed around and blur of confusion then stop uh oh I wonder obviously I'm still alive <laughs> I wonder where my flask has gone <laughs> I had some tea in there <laughs> and then oh no oh that pain uh oh this is bad you know <laughs> one leg right <laughs> smashed the knee against the wood, one knee had smashed against the wood, the other knee got twisted as it fell on the ground. 
uh-oh, this is going to be difficult. How do I get out of this, you know? But I didn't feel it. The first thought that arose was, where's my flask of tea? <laughs> the first thought was, I'm still alive. And then, where's my flask of tea? And then, oh, pain. <laughs> it took, it took a, I don't know how long that is, maybe one and a half seconds or maybe less, but just that. And then the pain, and then, uh-oh, what am I going to do about that? And then, then as I kind of gradually dragged myself up, it really hurt. As the, in it, the physical pain came washing in after the event. Because in the event, the body goes into a kind of defense strategy, shuts everything down. Now, <clears throat> now, of course, you know, that's just physical. But if we, uh, and it's gonna, if we live in situations where there's a lot of um, threat, for example, we close down. You know, so if you're, for example, if you're driving your car and then suddenly there's, the road is slippery and things are, you know, the other cars skidding around, you get this tremendous rush, your mind is racing and maybe you're starting to hold the steering wheel, you know, but you're, you're not really aware of your body because you're just focusing on or your mind is just doing all these actions to try to uh, keep you safe so it closes things down you're not aware of your back or your legs you're just aware of this visual screen of phenomena and you're trying to steer through it and then you come out the other side and you stop wow that emotion rushes up and you feel you know shocked Upset, disappointed, sometimes you might even faint. So you get this wash comes afterwards. But the first thing that happens is they close down in order to do what needs to be done. So when there's shock and fear closes closes the body. It's a defense strategy. If you're a you know, and of course there's quite a lot of shock and fear if you're a soldier example you live in a realm of shock and fear and threat and death so you just tough up and you mostly you're just in this sort of panic state or numbed out state and uh, when you finish you know doing what you're doing in the in the battle you go and drink a load of whiskey or something to get over it you, know, you soak yourself in something to avoid these unpleasant feelings no, but this is of course is extreme examples but then we can feel that sense of what happens if you're in a situation where people are blaming you you probably something you probably you know you feel upset at first and something you just starts to toughen up to resist it and you close down yeah. you're not sensitive because the sensitive means you have to open to all this unpleasant sanya and as it becomes obvious, what the mind experiences, the sanya of the mind, goes straight into the body. That's the way it's supposed to be. So that when we see something that's frightening, the body gets the message, run. You don't have to think about it. So the mental sanya impresses itself, gives a trigger to the body. If the, if, the, if the signal is very powerful, the body basically shuts down sensitivity. So you don't want to, don't want to be physically feeling too much, I've got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so when there's threat and fear in our lives, this closes us down. When there's stress and pressure in our lives, this is closes the body down. When there's just the sheer distraction of not wanting to feel these things, this closes the body down. <laughs> yeah. When our minds are busy planning everything else, this shuts down bodily sensitivity. So, you know, and then we lose this resource of being able to discharge stress, unpleasant feeling, stress, mental stress. We lose the ability to use our bodies to to discharge, to release the mental, psychological, 
self-impressions. <coughs> so the mind just keeps diverting itself to something else. <coughs> Although that that has results, so as long as that kind of uh, process continues, you you get definitely build up a particular result, habit patterns. You know, you meet people who just constantly need to be distracted, cannot bear to, to be with themselves for a moment, can't need constant distraction. Because it's just, there's so much vipaka, so much old karma, that it's just so so confusing, and they just can't manage to be to be still for a moment. Hmm. Yeah, I was talking to a, a man on in, well, a Dumber interview, a person very, you know, definitely committed to practice, but he he was talking about his early life, which was pretty difficult when he was a child, uh, as a young boy. There was violence in the family, there was drinking and abuse in the family, there was psychological disorder in the family, and he couldn't get out of it because he's only seven years old. So he's stuck in this situation, everything just shuts down. And uh, you know, and then going back to that, even talking about it, you can see his, his body starts moving. Body start. His body is shaking. He's moving. He's moving his head, looking around. Talked about. Then he's talk, trying to talk about something else. Just, you know, I'm saying. Well, just could you, you know, just just relax a little bit. I'm relaxed. I'm I'm fine. I am relaxed. You know. Okay, Mister. You know. Yes, all the. Not because he'd done wrong, particularly. He'd just been in a situation which was so overwhelming that his mind couldn't stand it, and uh, mind couldn't couldn't encompass it. It's just too much. So you have this nervous damage to the nervous system, and so he just had to get out of it. So sometimes you can think, you know, your problems because of what you've done. But sometimes it's just not what you've done, so much as what you've been in, what you've been involved with. And the the fear, and the uh, unpleasant sanya perceptions, and all the emotional habits that have arisen from that, the... the, uh, insecurity and the need to keep finding something to hold on to when the world is so crazy and insecure so the mind rushes out find anything to get grab hold of and of course what's easiest to grab hold of is a sense object you know something will drown that unpleasant feeling smother it or just repress it yeah I was talking to a uh, a woman on a retreat, and again she was having a lot of turbulence, and then she's starting to sense. Uh, you know, uh, she started talking to me, and she started to mention her mother, and then her body began to twist around, and she just she couldn't, and she had to talk about something else. Her body started to twist and turn as if the very memory was so upsetting that she just couldn't couldn't bear it. You know, from whatever um, you know, unskillful parent she'd had. Um, and then that was that was the that was the end of her retreat. That was as much she couldn't go on. It's just too uncomfortable, too disturbing to have to touch into that deeply painful sankara, sanya sankara. You know, and think, wow. And it's just the two of us sitting here. Nobody's bothering you. You know, there's somebody sitting in front of you who's happy to help you. If it, you know, 
and you're in a Dhamma center, there's nobody bothering you, but all this stuff inside is still there and intense, and you can't bear it. Okay, well, it's time to do a little bit of walking, I think. <laughs> Walk up and down, or, you know, stay in the forest, look at some trees, and then just try to bring up even an idea, a memory of somebody was kind to you. Yeah. First thing we, we recollect a Kalyanamita, somebody, somewhere, looked at you with a mind of goodwill, showed you courtesy, helped you when you were down, looked after you when you were sick. Somebody did. One time, otherwise you would not be alive. You, well, you wouldn't be, you'd be in a mental asylum or something. You know? We can't survive without goodwill. It's just the people will kill themselves. They cannot survive if the presence of, there's no presence of some degree of goodwill. Of the, otherwise, what's the point of living? You know, why keep going if you're just going to receive this constant poison? Why not just get out of it? <laughs> the fact that we don't means it's not completely as difficult as it may seem, just that we're not, we're not giving attention to the skillful. We get locked into the fears or the habits or the obsessions or the things we did wrong. And it becomes, fills our mind. And then we get flooded. And time to back off, come into your body, walk up and down, feel what's happening in your legs, your back, take a breath, breathe in and out. Yeah. So, this quality of mindfulness. And of course, as uh, should never be underestimated, a sense of sympathy, empathy, concern, sympathy. Oh, that feels bad. Mm. You know, that gentleness. Now, if we look, we go back to the, we get some memory coming up about what we did or what somebody else did or some emotion rushing up. And we tend to go into the emotion or particularly any topic, you know, the person who, you know, did me harm five years ago, ten years ago. There they are. And the memory of it's there. And we follow that. We follow that memory. We follow that person. Why was she like this? What did I do wrong? Why are they like that? How can I, how am I going to do to her? Revenge, you know, or something. Yeah. Or I, I, something wrong with me. We follow the person, either the other person or the, or the person we call ourself. And these are the wrong path. This is the wrong path. Uh, what's it fe- go to the feeling? The feeling, the agitation, the stirring in the body. Uh, see if you can widen, increase your attention, deepen your attention. The mind of, oh, it feels like this. What's needed? And just mm, gentle attention through the entire body, from the top to the bottom. Anywhere you can feel it. Anyway, if you can't feel it all, you start with a bit you can feel and just keep widening and deepening your attention into that. And your mind lifts out of the obsession, out of the pain, out of the memory, out of the details of the story. You go from the details of the story just to that edge of difficult feeling, painful feeling, uncomfortable feeling. And how is that? How is that? Of course you don't like it. So you want to get rid of it. How do I get rid of this unpleasant feeling? That's not the way you do it. (laughs) You do it by accepting it, feeling it, 
feeling it in your body, and you can feel around that distress, that heartbeat, that shaking sense of something wider, more grounded. Oh. And that energy of that unpleasant feeling then has a place it can begin to go. It's like the, a lump of ice that begins to melt if you put it in a warm place. So if you get a lump of ice, you put it somewhere warm, the warmth doesn't want to get rid of the ice, it doesn't hate the ice, it doesn't, it's just warm. <laughs> the nature of ice, when it's in warmth, is it begins to melt. Similarly, the nature of this uh, obsessive dukkha, if you put it somewhere that's non-obsessive, that's warm, its nature is to melt. You don't have to force it to go away. It will go away, it will dissolve. But you keep the warmth, keep the warmth. <laughs> Keep the sympathy. That's our atmosphere. And you'll find that uh, this atmosphere of, of sympathy and empathy, which is not, unfortunately, the normal atmosphere of our lives. Yes, we do have friends, but a lot of the time you're somewhere where it's just streets and cars and business and this and that and the other. There's no sympathy in it. It looks good, maybe. It looks pretty, or it looks interesting, or it looks horrible. It doesn't sympathise with you. It doesn't care we're there or not. Because <laughs> it, it is, you know. So there's no actual meta in the atmosphere of the sense world. It doesn't have it. <clears throat> it doesn't have it. There's only one place that has it which is in your chitta. You don't find it. Even in you know, pleasant tastes and pleasant sights. They may be pleasant, but they don't have any metta. <laughs> they just, they don't care. They'll please anybody. They, they don't, you know, they just like that. And so with this you begin to think, I'm not going to follow these all the time because these are not going to look after me. They're not going to support me. They're just going to lead me out following them. Why should I support them? Why should I go to that? Instead, I'll go back to this. And it's you know just a little bit of self-respect, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of just plain. You don't even have to be better than you are. But that the feeling or the dukkha vedana or the disturbance is just like this and you embrace it with a mind of non-aversion non-repression non-blaming non-selfing yeah. non-selfing it it's like this breathing in, breathing out rhythm of the body, space around you Well, there's that. I mean, that's the path. So, the more that becomes established, the mind begins to gain confidence, sit, stay in itself, feel confident, comfortable in itself. And this is the samadhi collectedness, the mind gathered into itself and then we begin to release all the things that are useless, derelict unskillful uncomfortable, go nowhere and this is the path to Nibbana, liberation So when you come to a retreat session like this, uh, you should first of all acknowledge uh, the skillfulness, the what you're doing. You're making an effort. You're 
putting aside options, your personal wishes and choices. That's quite noble. Do you pick up that skillfulness? Do you linger in that? The fact that you put aside you know, your own home, your own comforts. Let's pick that one up. Skillful aspiration, skillful quality. The interest in cultivating heart, the interest in cultivating, being mindful and attending, even the interest in it, the willingness and the, and the energy to do so, that's skillful. Stay with it, get the feeling for it, the courage, the faith, the endeavour in it, feel comfortable with it. And it will bound to, then if you linger in these skillful states, they will grow. Giving careful attention to the skillful causes them to grow. Giving careful, giving uncareful attention to the unskillful causes them to grow. <laughs> so if you're worried and doubting, well, attend to where there is no worry and doubt. Yeah. If you're you know, disappointed and frustrated, give attention to where it's not disappointed and frustrated. Give attention to the skillful, it grows, blossoms. Now having taken the eight precepts, this itself is a very uh, strong, courageous aspiration, giving us aside comforts of various kinds, and not allowing oneself to tolerate uh, abusiveness of any kind, even in the mind. This is strong. We accept the arising of them, but we don't follow them. This itself is a very strong thing to do. Linger in that strength, that commitment. And all these skillful states will support, bind the power of mindfulness to the heart. The heart is liberated from its karma and from its habitual tendencies. Anyone.